Uh, church, is real cool to be here. It's such a privilege um, every time, um, wherever I'm at or whatever the platform, um, just to share a little bit. And um, I'm going to dive into it pretty quick um, because I've got 103 slides to go through. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've, I've decided to title um, my message you want to share tonight. Uh, you could chuck that up. Or do I have to do that? Yeah. Like father, like father, like son. Now, um, I, I'm, I'm a son, obviously. Uh, four years ago, I um, became a father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, got a daughter named Remy. Um, I don't quite have a son yet, yet, uh, but practice heaps. Because uh, we, no, because I have Sean, Sean Ty lives with me. So he's, he's basically a son. Um, but. The, the reason I, I, I titled this um, like like father like son is one I just thought it sounded cool um, and two uh, it speaks to this this long journey that I've been on um, with the relationship I have with my own father um, but also three I feel this is a little bit of an my observation of where I feel church capital C churches globally right where church is at and and people who are questioning and people who are wrestling with faith, trying to understand how it lands in today's context a bit more, um, also that. Um, and so I, I, I kind of like to just preach a little different tonight, if that's all good. I, I'm going to quickly run through some recent um, revelations of my own journey and journey of healing with my relationship with my dad. And then I'm going to go through quick, some Bible stories and then uh, hopefully make it all make sense, and uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a good night. Cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Um, but it's, it, I, I, I want to start off with this scripture, which is a well-known passage in uh, Romans 12, to, which says, Don't, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think this is such an essential scripture in terms of um, constantly uh, not reinventing faith, but constantly being able to add, add correct and, and accurate layers to what God is always doing, right? And it, it's, it's this invitation for, for God into spaces, an invitation for the Holy Spirit into spaces to, to ask God, okay, what are you doing here and now? Renew my mind, give me a new lens, give me a new way of looking at this thing or myself or whatever's going on in my own life. Give me a new way of thinking, essentially what it's kind of hinting at. Because I, I think, you know, if there was an MDT version, a modern day translation, um, we would probably say, be transformed by the reinforcing of our minds. Because that, that's often what we do, right? We double down on our truths and this is just how it is, and we add layers on top of the, of the layers, and we go, just, yeah, yeah, this is what I believe. But church, I, this has been so instrumental in my own journey of healing, inviting God into the space and go, God, help me to see this in a new way. God, help me to see this in a new light. Give me a new lens to see things at, right? And so it's so, so important. Actually, um, I didn't include it, but I... I I feel even this is important for us. It actually goes on. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be, this is the, the continuation of it, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Right? 
It's, it's actually through a renewing of your mind that you are able to test, as in discern, other translations use. Test and discern and then approve, as in align and agree with it. I think sometimes we, 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 we do God's will without actually having renewed our mind first. We go, this is God's will, right? Rather than starting, go, God, renew my mind, and then you will be able to, right? So this is, this is such an important aspect of my healing journey. Um, and so I want to kind of run you through. because this, this happened a number of weeks ago. I had the privilege of going to this, this thing called Aspiring Leaders Forum. Um, I have, was able to take some of our youth team as well in Wellington. It was held at Parliament, um, some epic, epic speakers. And um, like, like most leadership, uh, I guess secular leadership spaces, you know, you get the classic question, who is a leader that inspires you, right? And so we were invited to kind of wrestle with this idea of, which is a tricky question, all right? I think the answers are always interesting because how, how do you summarize all of your leadership qualities and the qualities you respect and qualities you imagine other people respect into one person? Someone that embodies it all, which is probably why you always get the classic, Jesus, Jesus is the answer, right? Because it's like the only right answer. Um, but man, I had this, and I, I, I honestly was like semi-embarrassed because I, I, I broke down at this forum because I couldn't actually escape the fact that um, as I searched my own leadership and who shaped my leadership, I couldn't escape the fact that it was uh, this man here, my dad. And um, yeah, it was, it was so interesting, eh? Because my dad's such a buzzy dude, right? And, and growing up, there's been so many aspects about my dad that I caught the harsh side or the blunt side, or at least I interpreted it that way. And so there's so many aspects growing up that I despised, but maybe it's come with the age and maturity. But now I'm like gladly embracing so many aspects of who my dad was. In, in my adulthood, right? Um, and it's true, like, there's so many things I could just link the two up. Thing, things that I love about myself that I used to hate about my dad, right? Like, I'm a strong leader, I feel. Uh, that, that's because my dad is um, very intimidating. Uh, <laughs> he is, like, look at him, <laughs> right? My dad's a classic guy. He's just, he has this angry face, and he has such a loud voice that everything seemed angry, you know, like, how was school? Like, that, that kind of, right? Um, I, I consider myself, if you know me, I, I, I'm, I'm resourceful uh, as a leader. Um, and that's because my old man is one of the OG hustlers, right? And I used to hate it, but it was cracker because my dad spent a lot of time as a um, carpenter. And whenever he was working on sites that involved demolition, uh, my dad, out of the kindness of his heart, would, uh, you know, try and save the, um, the company money. Go, don't worry about getting skip burns and hiring trucks. Oh, I'll take care of all this stuff. I'll take it to the skip, uh, a.k.a. our backyard. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, if anyone needs corrugated iron or um, I, I can hook you up. Um, that's my dad, eh? Hustler. My dad's hustler. Um, my dad, I, I believe I'm, I'm quite agile and adaptable as a leader, and that's because my dad just acts before thinking. Right, anyone have parents that, 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 that yeah. Just just doesn't even think, eh? Hey, just does something. Um, and some some of you know the story, but this is the ultimate uh, I guess example of just my dad not thinking. Uh, when I was about eight years old, me and my brother were obsessed with the Olympics. 
and in particular powerlifting, right? These guys are so epic, right? Big goods and clap that chalk and lift the weights. And so we wanted to recreate it. We had our own bar, we had our own weights. Um, we didn't have that chalk that the Olympics had. But my brother was like, oh, good. Mom's got that bucket of washing powder. Um, and <laughs> of course it happens to me, right? I put some more on. And when I, when I lift the weight, it was okay down here. It was when I pushed up, the bar slipped out of my hand. Just one hand. The other hand's holding on strong. like, ah. All right? And then the pendulum swings. I'm trying to control it. I end up, hand goes on a concrete floor, weight spin around, squash my finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if you've ever fallen asleep on your, like, on your, you know, it's just kind of, like, I can't feel a thing. So I lift it up. And then I realized the tip of my finger is like paper thin. Yeah, but I can't feel it. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> show my brother. And my brother's like, dad, ball has crushed his finger. And my dad rushes in. He's like, son, we'll fix this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just bring you up to speed. My dad is not a doctor. Right? <laughs> and so my dad takes me into the, into the kitchen. True story. Grabs kitchen knife, uh, like a big like meat cleaver, and he's like, son, I love you. <laughs> no, nah, nah, he didn't say that. <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> and it, come on. Yeah, yeah, sorry. PTSD all over, hey, for these people. Hey, yeah, daddy issues. Um, and so my, my dad counts down from three, three, two, one, and then he chops the tip of my finger off. And then and then all the feeling returns, and my dad puts ice on it, wraps it up, and he's like, let's go to the hospital. I was like, oh, now? Oh. <laughs> um, and then we, we, it gets weirder, man. We get to the hospital, and, I, and you ever had to explain to someone stuff that's normal to your family, but not normal to the world? Right? So I'm there with the receptionist, like, oh, yeah, squash my finger, paper finger, dad, cut it off. And then, and then um, she, she didn't even flinch. She was like, oh, yeah. Puts me on the stretcher. And then on the way to the ER, this was the weirdest part. She says, oh, good thing your dad cut off your finger. I'm like, what? Are you endorsing a child abuse? Like, what are you saying? And she, and she goes, no, 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 no. She goes, well, if, 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 like, all the pressure wasn't coming out, it wasn't, blood wasn't coming out, and it was just building up in your finger, um, there would have pro- probably been some severe blood clotting. Right, and so we might have had to—we don't know—but we might have had to amputate more of your finger. But Dad, letting all that pressure out, yeah, help save your finger. I swear, my dad didn't know that. Eh? He's on the side, like, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> right. Um, sorry, this looks bad. Sorry, Sam, but that's my finger there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, man, but there's, there's so many things eh, that I can connect, like things that I love about who I am now, that growing up, man, I really, really struggled and despised about my dad. Um, but there, there is one that, uh, that's been a longer journey, and it was something that I almost vowed to never take from my dad, and it was the fact that he, he loved people. I know that sounds like I'm selfish, <laughs> like I never want to love people. Um, it was more because of the impact that it had on me, right? My dad was classic kind of person that um, put people's needs above his own. It was so much more important that other people ate before him. It was so much more important that other people had their needs met, even if it meant that he went without. And, and sometimes that was just confusing 
right? It wasn't bad, but it was confusing. Like, I remember growing up and we'd be hungry. I was like, Dad, we're hungry. Mom, we're hungry. No, there's no food around. And then, like, Faifiko, a pastor from down the road would turn up. You know, and then all of a sudden, the sampler box comes out. And, Would you like a biscuit? And we're like, hey, where'd that come from? Hey. <laughs> right? So it was just confusing at times. Other times, it was just inconvenient. Um, I grew up in a three-bedroom state house in GI uh, with about 17 people in it. Yeah, yeah, cozy. And, uh, but it was, again, just my dad was just people, like families coming over from Tonga, just wanted to help them. People that just had a kind of bad run, needed a couple of weeks just to breathe, right? My dad would just always open up the, the home. And it was cool sometimes, you know, had this never-ending line of kids that I could practice wrestling moves on. But um, <laughs> other times it was, it was really inconvenient, like not having privacy and things like that. Um, but then there were times, obviously, where, it, yeah, it actually just did more harm, I felt. Uh, and some, some people here have heard me share uh, this part of my sto- story, um, where my old man was um, sent away, kind of went to prison for a number of years. Um, uh, and what a lot of people don't know is actually, again, I was trying to help people. Um, with all these families uh, that we were housing and even people in our wider community, um, my dad was just constantly trying to help them. And when he had this point where he was running his own construction site and construction like business, um, he would often give people work and uh, illegally employ some people. Um, where over the years, it finally caught up to him and uh, went to prison during some pretty formative years for me, right? And so you can imagine as a, as a child with a child brain, the conclusions, the wrong conclusions I acknowledge that I came to about my father, right? Where I, I almost concluded that helping them hurts us. And, and even if you haven't grown up in a, in a home like mine or with a dad like mine, I think this is such a common ideology that we have in today where it's like it's harmful to us to help them, right? Helping them is going to impact us negatively. Um, this, we've, we've put the individual in the God seat as it's so important for our individual needs to be met. Um, this, this obsession with self-care, as if our well-being isn't interwoven into the relationships that hold us. The, the sympathizing with causes up until it gets to our doorstep and causes inconveniences, right? There's, there's this idea, we're almost like children at birthday parties that seeing cakes getting handed to other children, we think if they get a slice, I'm not going to get my slice, right? That, that hurt, helping them is harmful, and, and man, it's been, a, it's been a such a massive journey of, of healing for me. Where now, like, and, and some of you know me, right? This, this is something that I've embraced accidentally, but now I fully embrace. I'm like, you know, there, there was something great about this. With this new lens, when I look over things. I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, if, if you are helping people, it's okay to commit crimes. Um, no, no, I'm not saying that. Uh, <laughs> cut that part of, delete that. Um, what, I, what I'm saying, man, in any extreme of an ideology is dangerous. And, and what my dad was essentially trying to do was a core part of who he is, and it's a part that I'm embracing, is, is how people, it's a core tenet of our faith, that we, we need to serve one another in love. 
love, love people, help people, right? It, Jesus summarizes it. He says, oh, yeah, two commandments. Love God, and yeah, that, that's a part where it's so easy to understand. But love your neighbor as you love yourself. And, and this, is just a, this is something my dad's, I guess, was attempting to try and live out. And, and, and man, I've gone to a point now where, like, I, I love this about myself. That I, 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 I'm embracing that same trait about my father. Yes, for years and years and years, I despised it. It hurt me. It harmed me. But now I'm at a point where I'm like, man, there's something in this. With, with, with inviting God into the space and inviting the Holy Spirit to uh, transform my mind, renew my mind. Does it condone it? No, not at all. Does it condone the, the harm? No, not at all. But the, I can't just throw everything out. There's something in it that, 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 is, that it can be treasure for me. And now I, I, I live by that. It's such an honor to help people. Right? I, well, I'm trying to like really, really make it a core part of who I am. Um, we know that scripture, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I, I was actually introduced to um, the, the Te Reo version of this, and man, it's, this, this guy was uh, talking me through it, and, and it's beautiful, man, just the, the depth in, in this other language that adds this new layer to something we've always professed to be true, that we need to love one another as we um, love ourselves, right? This is in um, Mark 12, 31, we know, love your neighbor as you love yourself, um, but the real version is and we all know aroha means which I actually found out no it doesn't <laughs> well it does it, it does sorry don't feel like a failure okay <laughs> you guys alright you guys alright um, uh, this, this guy was talking me through it and he goes well actually there's, there's more to it than just love and, and, and this added so much more meaning to me. It was this conversation that I was having. And he it was like, well, it's kind of broken up into two things. So there's, there's the first part, which is aro, right? Which is like to turn your attention to, to focus and pay close attention to, right? So if you hear someone say like, kahuritaku aro, it's like, I'm turning my focus to this thing, aro. And then you have ha, which is the breath of life. So rather than just translating aroha as love, you can also translate it to be be attentive to the breath of life in people. <sighs> Beautiful, eh? And so now I read the scripture in a different light because it's like, be as attentive to the breath of life in people as you are to the breath of life in yourself. And man, that's, that's an honor. What, a, what an honor to, to live your life in a way where it, the breath of life in that person, whether you agree with them or not, is just as important as the breath of life in yourself. Right, and and this is this is such an important process. That's why I started with Romans twelve because I'm I just feel like man, we need to constantly invite God into these spaces with new lenses, new ways of thinking, right? To renew our mind. And like I know there's 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 a lot of people who feel like oh yeah, there's these questions just aren't being answered. I'm the same too. I'm still on this journey as well, right? Of like oh, how does that work with this? How does that work with this that I really care about? But it's, this is a normal process, right? And, 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 and for people that are on this journey of questioning or, or deconstructing, it, it's, it's a very normal part. Firstly, I think it's just so normal for us to consider. Everyone does it in terms of just normal life, right? As, as kids, you grow up and you start to go, nah, my mom and dad, they don't know everything. I, I, nah, I'll figure things in my own way. 
And then what you start to do, as I've done, is go, ah, that doesn't work. Man, that felt really off. But this, ooh, this, this is beautiful. As I've invited God back into the space, the danger, and I, I almost kind of grieve the fact that so many years, I guess it's part of the journey, so many years I've just thrown out like, man, my dad caused so much harm to me. That, that an invitation for God back into the space has allowed me to go, man, I'm so grateful I've learned this from my dad. I'm so grateful. Because of all the things that my dad has gone through, the migration, the, the, the dealing with his own stuff, the, the dealing with the fact that his dad walked out on them. Like, I can't just throw all of that out. There are lessons in there that are so bad. And, and man, I think it's the same with our faith. It's so important. Yes, question, like, yeah, if you've got questions, cool. Wrestle in the community with it. Because it's just, it's one part of the wider journey, right? Of, yeah, you're questioning, but now I've come, kind of come through this other side of looking at my dad in a different lens and going, nah, man, he's all right, eh? You know, and some of you have heard me speak, and you're like, some of you are shocked. Like, bro, this is the nicest I've ever heard you talk about your dad, eh? <laughs> and, yeah, potentially. But I, I wanted to start with, with, with that because I just feel like, man, there's an, an invitation for people to have their lens and, and mind renewed, transformed by perceiving things in a different light. Maybe that's similar to mine where it's, it's, it's a story about your family, harm that's happened. Maybe, maybe it's around faith and the communities of faith. But whatever it may be, man, can I just encourage us to invite God into that space and have a, a, a transformation of our mind where we look at things in a new light. And, and I just want to quickly run through um, these um, miracles of healing that I think are, um, kind of point at some important parts of the journey of healing, right? That, that um, if we can embrace and, and adopt even into our own process, it's, it's going to um, not just be a blessing to, to others and to the nations and to our communities, but to your own self. Um, and this is, this is found in Mark 5. If, if there's any, any day where I reckon Jesus earns his money, this is the day. All right? Mark 5, there's three back-to-back -back miracles. All right? And I, norm, I normally would go through like one story, but I'm going to just bombard you with three miracle stories. All right? Is that cool? All right, so like all good stories, it starts with Jesus. All right? Um, but Jesus, this is the story where Jesus heals the demonic possessed man, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but basically, he's, he's crossing the lake on a boat. Um, I thought a jet ski looked cooler. Um, but he's with his gang, right? All the boys are on. <laughs> All the boys. And he's making his way across the lake, right? Where'd he go? There he is. And then he eventually comes to the other side, and he gets to the section where there's like the cemetery, basically. And in the cemetery, there's this man that's been possessed by like Heaps and heaps of demons for ages, right? Um, this, so now he has this, he, he jumps off the boat and he's having this conversation with this person that's demon possessed. Um, it's titled like, you know, possessed by many demons. I don't know how he figured it out. Maybe 
that's how the conversation started. Like, hey, I've got heaps of demons, by the way. <laughs> that's a weird way to start a conversation. And then the person the, he says, oh, what do you want to do with us? What, what do you want with us? They acknowledge the, the authority and the power that Jesus had as well, right? And then Jesus was like, well, bro, you're messing with my guy. Like, how long is this going on? I reckon you should leave him alone. And then they're like, well, if you're going to cast us out, send us into those pigs. Like, hey, what pigs? Uh, that pig. Um, so there are these pigs in the story now. And um, Jesus kind of goes along, oh, that pig, okay, sure thing. I mean, did nothing to you, but oh, well. And so Jesus then cast all the demons out of this guy into um, the pigs. And then, um, miracle, right? Miracle. And as this like, whoa, like, I'm healed. This is so cool. And then, I couldn't really depict this, so I'm now going to bore you with some writing. Um, right? But essentially, everyone that was tending to those pigs, they run off into the town, and then they start telling everyone what happened. Bro, guess what happened? That guy that's been there for years. Yeah, bro, come down and check. And then, um, such an interesting detail that some of the other Gospels don't include. Um, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who was possessed by the legion of demons sitting there in his right mind, and they were afraid. I think it's just, it's just good to note that the move of God, if it doesn't have anything to be pinned on for some people, they don't have the mental, the mind maps to pin what they're seeing, sometimes the only response is fear. Nothing to do, and there's nothing to do with you or to invalidate what God's doing in your heart. They just can't quite understand, right? But this, oh man, this, this detail is so cool. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. So you get an entire group of people rejecting Jesus after he does a miracle, and, and I think it's so cool that Mark included this detail, that those who had seen it told the people what had happened, and they told about the pigs as well. I think there's a danger in allowing other people to narrate the move of God in our own hearts. Because often, often they can add these details like, oh yeah, but see the pigs? You know how awesome shout is? Oh, but why are you spending that much money on lights? <laughs> who, who cares? People encounter God and have their lives transformed, right? It's, and I'm, I'm not trying to disregard this, but this is when you allow other people to narrate what God is doing in your heart, they are often going to include things that, that steer it away from the fact that God did a miracle. Right? God has done a miracle. He's like, oh, yeah, but you the pigs. Do you see the pigs? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, but oh, they're hardly around at home anymore. Yeah, but it's God doing something awesome in their hearts. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, but oh, man, they're basically serving every Sunday. Yeah, but <laughs> it's not about the pigs. Yeah. Sorry if you're really passionate about pigs. I am too. They're delicious. Um, <laughs> but... It's not. It's, it's when, when we allow other people to know, and can I, can I also suggest, this is just because I'm, I'm very, very passionate about being uh, tech savvy, but this needs to happen on the digital space as well. Sometimes we avoid, we're like, nah, let's not, nah, let's just, we can't get involved in these discussions. Well, then you're allowing other people to narrate what God is doing. 
You're allowing other people to say, well, the pigs. And look what happens. I'm not surprised when people push Jesus away. I'm not surprised when people are rejecting Jesus because we've got silent Christians who are not narrating their story. And we've got other people saying, yeah, yeah, God's doing, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool that they saw that happen. But, but did you see the pigs? Yeah, that's sad, the pigs drowned. But man, this dude who'd been struggling for years has been finally set free. That's what it's about. Right? It's, and, it's, uh, and I'm not like, please hear me out. I'm not trying to disregard that. There's some things just like, yes, let's consider it. Let's consider these things. Yeah, cool. But let it not stray away from the fact that God is doing a miracle. It's so important. And, 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 and you'll see this, right, in the next detail. So he carries on. Jesus is like, all right, bro, I healed you. Me and the boys are off now. Got to go. And he's like, oh, hey, man, I uh, reckon I can come with you guys, you know, being the gang. And then Jesus says, nah. <laughs> he actually, I'm not making this up. He literally says, nah, all right? Which is, uh, yeah, too, too, too much of a familiar feeling. Um, oh, I meant for some of you. no. Bro, I, I get invited to heaps of things. <laughs> nah. Um, right? But then he's kind of bummed. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> so, all righty. Um, but then Jesus clarifies. He goes, no, no, no. I'm not, it's not that I don't want you to come. I just want you to stay here and tell everyone what I did for you. Right? These people are narrating what I just did, the healing that's taken place, and, and everyone's rejecting me. Oh, that's all good. But you go and tell them. You go narrate it, man. And look what happens. This is cool ass. Um, the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Right? When, when you take responsibility for narrating what God is doing in your life, in your heart, in your story, that, that's the response. People will be amazed. And, and, and I'm... I'm also acknowledging, man, the fact that, and, and this is no slight on anyone, but there were so many people and contexts that added this layer to what God was doing in the relationship of me and my dad. Whereas actually if I just kept on inviting God into that space, you know, because people were saying, oh man, but the pigs, oh, that sucks. Oh, that sucks that you didn't have a dad around for this number of years. Yeah, oh man, that would have, that would have hurt heaps, eh? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yes, the pigs drowned. But man, can I tell you about the miracle that's happened in my heart? All right, and that's the invitation for for a new lens. Narrate your story. Narrate what God's doing in your heart. And that's only miracle one. Oh, <laughs> right, right. Jesus is working hard, man. Right? And so he just like gets to the other side and then this man named Jairus appears. And Jairus has this daughter who's pretty sick like, and it's looking bad, right? So Jairus goes over to Big, um, that's why he's on the ground. Um, so he says, please come with me. My little girl's sick. Please come lay hands on her. She will live. And Jesus says, oh, stink, bro. Yeah, of course, man, let's go. And so he takes Jairus on, on this journey back to Jairus' house. And wherever Jesus goes, it's just crowds, right? So 
he's just swamped by people, and him and Jairus are on their way to heal Jairus' daughter. And then that's when we get the story uh, where this woman appears. Um, and, 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 and it's titled in the Bible as the woman with the issue of blood. Um, she, she'd been suffering for, for 12 long years, right? Um, and she, hears, she sees Jesus passing through. She hears the stories. She knows that Jesus can heal. So she decides, okay, I'm going to, nothing else has worked. I'm going to go. And so she makes her way through the crowd. Uh, and then she touches the edge of Jesus' garment. <laughs> and then instantly she was healed. But this is, this is such an interesting detail that Mark um, goes through, right? So she's healed, but sort of not healed. Because then Jesus decides to like, make this public spectacle of it. And it's kind of it's like, Jesus, you're pretty savage, eh? Um, but he, he yells out, right? Who touched my clothes? And I'm sure... Everyone around is like, whatever, oh, what happened? So now everyone's aware of something's happening. It's now like, attention, everybody. Who touched my clothes? And now everyone's like, oh, did, did you, t-? right? And uh, disciples are like, bro, you're weird. <laughs> like, um, literally everyone's touching you, Jesus. And he's like, nah, someone touched my robe, like, like touch, touched me. <laughs> and then poor woman with the issue of blood emerges and I, man, I actually feel so sad for her, eh? You know what I mean? Like, because I know this feeling, right? 12 years she'd been cast out, 12 years she'd been, like, I know this feeling, even just little things like, none of you, because you're all perfect Christians, um, but, you know, when you miss a Sunday, and then you come the next Sunday, and it's just like, <laughs> you know, like, you know that weight that you feel? Imagine 12 years, of, of being outside, right? Oh, that's why I think, bro, Jesus, you're sad, eh? But then they have this conversation. Um, he's like, oh, yeah, it was me. I touched your robe. Um, he's like, okay, that's a bit random. Such strangers' clothes. Um, and I, I mean, this is my own theory, but you can kind of tell how guilty people feel about not being around church by, like, how quickly they launch into the reasons. My supper, I haven't seen in ages. Yeah, man, just being sports, eh? <laughs> like, whoa, just said hello, man. Right? All right. But, but this, is, this is essentially what happens. She was like, oh, you touched my robe. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've, I've got a problem. Um, and then she explains, right? She's like, I've, I've got this issue. And I just thought if I, if I could get close to you, enough to touch you, then I could be healed. Right? And Jesus is like, oh, bro, this chick's on. Right? And then um, he's like, okay, you're pretty on to it. I'm going to heal you now. And then Jesus does his thing. And um, she's stoked. She's like, yeah, me. Shot Jesus. Can you heal me? And then Jesus does this healing thing. And boom, um, no more issue with the blood. Right? And then um, yeah, Jesus is like, yeah, there you go. You're healed. Uh, now just you can go and live your best life, mate. But I, I just so... It's interesting to me that, that Jesus did bring it to the, to the attention of the, the community. And, and I think that that's, that's often sometimes what God... Sorry, that sounded weird. Often sometimes. Um, that, that sometimes what God is doing in, in, in our hearts too is actually it's, it's to do with a, a restoration in community, right? The healing taking place. So in the first story, we saw this dude go out to 10 cities. Boom. People were amazed. And then in this healing, just the people within the vicinity, 
who was like, all right, all right, everyone. Because not only would she have felt like an outsider, the community would have treated her like an outsider. And so Jesus says, all right, cool. Here's this person. Here's the community. Boom, 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 healed. All right, can we carry on as normal? Right? And it's so, so important too. Sometimes the, the healing that God is doing in your heart is literally first is to help you com- connect back into community. But it's also, you need to, you need to uh, own that narrative too because it's also good for your community. You know, the more that I've been uh, open about what God's done in my heart, the more that leaders and the more that team and the more that friendships have really like, okay, yeah, okay, cool, but adjusted, adjusted. And, and, and I've found places where of belonging. It, it's brought to the forefront of just going, okay, because Jesus could have left it as an intimate little moment, eh? Like, but he didn't, right? It's that guy, right? It could have. You know, she touched, got healed, he could have just been like, right? But he was like, hey, everybody! And maybe it was that. Maybe it was much more for the community. For them to go, okay, man, we've, we've really kept this person at a distance. At a distance, and maybe God's, now that I'm seeing what God is doing in their story, the, the healing that's taking place, okay, maybe I need to revisit how I perceive this person. It's so important for the community too. And that's why, like, yeah, like, that's why I say, if you've got questions and you're wrestling, if you moving over here and doing it by yourself is not helpful for the community. In community. It's so good for community. So that we can see, we'll go, oh, oh, okay. There's so many times, eh, people have been, like, hurt or offended by things I've said or done. I don't know. But when it's brought to the, to the attention, right, to the forefront, I'm able to go, oh, right. Had no idea. And we can re- restore relationship. We can reconcile. Sometimes what God is doing and healing in your story is, is, is just as much for the community that you're in as well. Right? And then that's miracle number two. It carries on. Right? The man's working. Right? So she starts leaving, and while she's off, um, one of Jairus' servants turns up. And then he's like, hey, I just got some bad news. Um, Jairus, your daughter's passed away. So just stop bothering Jesus. And Jesus like, oh, no, no. Don't listen to these haters, man. You keep believing. And he decides to take Jairus along with him. He's like, let's go. Let's, let's, let's keep going. And then they proceed over to um, Jairus' house. And he, he asks this question. And it's important to note as well, um, some comments, commentaries say that it's, the people that were grieving were almost there as like a performance, right? That it's not, not real grief because of the, the status that Jairus had as a, a leader in the religious community. It was almost like, you know, like when um, uh, people, celebrities passed away or someone in the royal family, even if you're not super connected, everyone joins in on the, ah, oh, oh, that's sad. It, it was sad, but it's not so closely connected. Does that make sense? And you can you notice you notice for sure because as soon as Jesus asked this question, I'm like, why are you guys sad? 
Why are you guys weeping? Like, she's just asleep. They all quickly turn, right? They all start cracking up. And they're like, bro, you hear what this guy reckoned? And so Jesus is like, okay, no, we can't have any of this around. And so he decides, he's like, nah, man, we can't have any doubters around. Everyone get out, um, except for the family. <laughs> and then, um, and then, geez. and then, and so they go, they go inside, right? But the, this is, this is probably my favorite out of the three miracles that Jesus performed, like, back to back. They go inside, and then Jesus sees uh, the daughter, and you can, you can almost feel that, the anxiety, the, just the crippling fear and worry that um, Jairus is feeling, right? And with, with a phrase, Jesus um, just says, little girl, wake up. And uh, then she is brought back to life, right? And she gets healed. But then, right, so now Jairus is so, so stoked. It's like, bro, Jesus, you healed her. This is so mean. And then Jesus says this real interesting thing, so different to his last interactions. He was like, all right, go have a feed and don't tell anyone about it. And, and, and this has been true even for my own journey too, is sometimes the healing that's taking place for you is actually just for you. Yeah. Is, is, is the only purpose that God is healing you isn't to, you know, jump up here and share a testimony, isn't to be on some promo video. It's actually to go to strengthen the bond that you have with your father as your helper, as your savior, as your, the answer to all your questions. And so he, he invites them, he goes, just keep that here. Just keep that here. And this is, right, it's so cool, right? These, these, these back-to-back miracles I just find so interesting and I need to study it even more. But you, you've got this kind of cascading effect where one is like, man, it has an impact on cities. This healing that's taken place has had an impact on cities where wider than your, your own community, extended out, it's having an impact where people are going, man, I'm amazed at what God is doing in, 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 in this person. And then, and then there's this impact even just on the community. It's like, whoa. We can find restoration and reconciliation here, just amongst ourselves. And then you got the end where it's just like, no, that's just for my home. You know, and there's some, there's some things that God's been doing for, for me and my family that I, I don't think I'll ever share. But man, I've added it to, to the, my backpack of belief. And it's just given me even more confidence in God. Where I'm like, wow. God, you're so faithful. 